Hello strangers and welcome to episode 42 of Strangers in a Cinema, a podcast about films. Alright. Is that better for you Pete? That's to the point, <laughs> love it, it's it's a keeper. Um, yes, we're back for episode 42, trying to rouse ourselves into a state of frenetic excitement about this week's episode in which ain't really too much going on. Uh, we've got a double feature, we don't want to put you off listening to the rest of the episode, but maybe not the biggest week in films, so we're going to fill up the episode with other interesting chat that we have that related to other things yes. and, and other movies and stuff. Uh, like I'm that. feeling quite pleased with myself because uh, I, I complained to Cineworld that they weren't screening Mindhorn, so you're not going to get a feature review of us with that this week, uh, we're just going to be pushed back to next week. Uh, I have complained and complained and complained, apologies for our Twitter followers if you've picked that up. Um, however, they are now showing it in Cheltenham next week. So Mindhorn will bounce to a review next week, um, which will be in the same episode where we're going to have a big feature on Alien Covenant and the other Alien films. Yeah, and it's gratifying to see that something that we were sort of um, so frustratingly denied in its week of release is actually going to see the light of day in some smaller territories, as they would say in the United States, or you know, smaller towns like our own. Um, and not just going to be limited to major cities. So it means more people get to see it, more people get to see what is probably a great piece of Julian Barrett. Hopefully, comedy, yeah. So. Fingers yeah, yeah. Crossed. We'll see and we'll report back next week with our opinions on that. Before that though, Paul, we're going to get into the first part of the show. That is In the Foyer, introduced yes. last week and stated <laughs> back back by popular demand. And we'll probably be back for the next a number of weeks going forward, to be honest. Yeah, as but, you yes. know, with our show, uh, we take you on a trip through the cinema. We start in the foyer, we move to the popcorn counter in which we review the films that we've been watching in the last week. Then we get to coming attractions. These are movies that you can look forward to in the future. We then do a feature or in this case or this week a double feature um, as we said that's going to be sleepless and unlocked and finally we get to the homework section in which we report back on the homework that we've done films that we gave each other last week that we've watched hopefully watched over the course of the preceding seven days so without further ado Paul let's get into the foyer and what do you have to talk about this week well the recent news that I'm I quite excited about I think is the news that Hellboy is getting rebooted sound more excited uh, the news that Hellboy is getting what? rebooted Hellboy yes. who's Hellboy. directing it uh, Neil Marshall no the guy who brought the descent the, the guy who brought us the descent yes the cripplingly scary descent back in 2005 yes. and do you know who's playing Hellboy uh, I don't but I'm going to guess it is um, uh, Craig David David Harbour Oh, I was one the word sheriff, away. The sheriff from Stranger Things. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Which I think is kind of cool casting. I have to say, I did really, really want Del Toro to get a chance to make Hellboy 3. Hellboy 1 was okay. Hellboy 2 I thought was fantastic. And I really wanted to see them round out round out the story. Now, this obviously is 100% confirmation that Del Toro's project is dead in the water. Mm. Which I think is a shame. But at the same time, I quite like the people involved with this. I mostly like Neil Marshall's work, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Dog Soldiers was good. Descent's fantastic. Fantastic, but then we had the one with the the, the wall built between England and Doomsday. Scotland, Doomsday, which was it was all right. Um, Malcolm McLaren, Malcolm McLaren, is that correct? No, I don't think so. No, I'm thinking Malcolm McDowell. Thank you, Malcolm, Malcolm McLaren's McDowell, the yes. record yes. Uh, label owner. Yeah, yeah, uh, Malcolm McDowell was decent in it, but yeah, I don't know, mixed. And then there was something after that as well, wasn't there? The uh, Centurion. Centurion, Centurion was okay. Michael Fassbender, Centurion which, was okay, yeah, which was all right. If that's your kind of thing, um, then you probably get some value out of that. Yeah, so I think, you know, I, if we can't have Hellboy 3, which we can't get it, and they do have to reboot it, then uh, Mike Mignola's on board, uh, which is nice. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing seeing what they do with it. It's going to be R-rated as well. Which Any is, ideas which on, on when? But this not might a be? clue. 
Okay. Uh, I think this the news came out a couple of days ago and just I think took everyone by, by surprise. I think. Well, normally they'll announce like a reboot or something, and not necessarily always announce a director to go with it. Yeah. So the fact it's got a cast and director already is a is a good sign. I think. For sure, and yeah, it'd be interesting to see where Neil Neil Marshall is at this point because I mean he was a guy that I was so excited about after the Descent, really, um, and the Descent, of course, which had that beleaguered release where they had the uh, you know uh, unbelievably terrifying nightmare or something on the side of one of the London buses mm. that was bombed on seven seven, which didn't do too much to no. help that that movie and its promotion, but. Um, yeah, such a promising British film director who then I think went a little bit off the boil and hopefully has come back to sort of his best best form. Yeah, we shall see. We shall see. We will. So you mentioned Stranger Things, a seamless link to. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to mention it's not a particularly significant award ceremony um, that happened this last week, and that is the MTV Movie and TV Awards. The reason I'm bringing it up is because we mentioned um, on a previous show the fact that this was going to be the first award show where they did away with male and female categories and united into a sort of unisex award for, for example, best actor. So just best performance, really. Best performance, yeah. yeah. I think they called it best actor in in this case, but it meant, you know, male or female actor as opposed to one or the other. Um, A few of the interesting awards, what, what they kind of did with this show, Paul, was they tried to really push this idea of sort of unity and acceptance amongst all the usual stuff that you get out of MTV, you know, quick cuts and yeah. terrible musical performances. Miley Cyrus has a younger sister. People seems... getting acting awards will never get acting awards anywhere else. Yeah, if you want to track this thing down on like YouTube or something like that, um, look out for yeah, Miley Cyrus's considerably less talented younger sister wearing sort of pyjama trousers and doing a thing about like, you know, sipping Cristal or whatever. She's 17. I don't know what that's about, but I looked her up on Spotify instantly. Her most played single has <laughs> over a hundred million plays wow, okay. already. So she's so. already a success. So well, whatever what do we I say, know? yeah. But in terms, we say is irrelevant. <laughs> in terms of more interesting stuff here, um, we had the Best Kiss Award, which obviously isn't part of the Academy <laughs> Awards, but went to uh, um, Jarell Jerome for Moonlight, the kiss okay. that takes place on the beach of Moonlight, which again, that sort of theme of yep. unity ran through that thing. Um, what else? Oh, Emma Watson um, went up to speak. She took an award for, uh, I think, Best Film and Best Performer in the, the non- gendered edition um, spoke very eloquently I think that they knew that she was going to do that and was quite yeah. a good ambassador for the message that they were pushing here we had some really precocious child actors not least um, she called Eleven from Stranger yes. Things yeah that girl is I think 13 years of age she speaks like a 30 year old it's <laughs> kind of scary um, it's thinking like her people and her yeah, so she does. Her yeah, yeah, and stuff no, like that she, no she absolutely does and she's it. British as yeah. well right yeah um, also, the little girl who was in Logan um, spoke yeah. very well. So yeah, I mean, there was stuff to like here. What was not to like, I would say, is after all this like stuff about unity and togetherness, you expect I don't know Macklemore or something to play us out at the yeah. end. But instead, we have Big Sean doing like a breakup song. I didn't really understand okay. that choice. But yeah, stuff to look up. Um, you know, if you're interested from MTV, and I'm sure it's been all chopped up and stuck on on YouTube or whatever. Yeah, now, in so. a catchy, quick edited version. Yeah, <laughs> a- a- absolutely. Oh, and Daniel Kaluuya, um, also uh, Next Generation Award. He scooped oh, okay. for uh, Get Out. So yeah, some some decent stuff there. Let's get out of here, Paul, and let's get to the popcorn counter. What have you been watching this week, my friend? I've done it, Pete. Okay. I've done it. I've made it through. I say all four, like it's a lot of films. It's not really a lot oh, of films. Oh, Jesus, we're back to house. <laughs> we're back to the house series again. So, house four, the repossession. Okay. Right. Okay. Things start quite well for house four because 
unlike House 2 and 3, this is an obvious and almost direct... Well, not direct sequel. It doesn't pick up exactly at the end of House 1. But you get returning characters from the first House film. So to start with, I was quite excited to see where this was going. Um, they bring back, I believe the actor's name is William Cat. Um, unfortunately, William Cat's in it for about 15 minutes until he's killed off. Right. Um, so I don't think they could afford him for very long. So you know what kind of territory you're in here. Um, it's a big bag of shit, to be, <laughs> to be frank. <laughs> in summary, a big um, bag of shit, said, yeah, um, said Mark Kermode. Yes, um, I didn't really enjoy this at all. I think, you know, the House series has been weird in places, and that's, you know, the first film's weirdness is certainly part of its charm, and I think if you remember about four weeks ago, I really, really rate the first film and enjoyed it a lot. Um, and even the weirdness of the not-great second one is still is still charming. The weirdness here is just bizarre and a little bit creepy. We We sort of resort to... To strangely deform men with phlegm machines and th- tell me more about phlegm machines. It's like a weird machine that drains phlegm from this guy's throat, and you just like, okay, this is this is just bizarre and not in a good way, if that makes sense. So, yeah, um, house for the repossession, avoid like the plague. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you got through the first three, maybe just don't bother. Do something else. Be time. Go outside. Yeah, have, a, not, have a walk. Yeah, you're not missing anything if you uh, if you know if you you follow me on my journey through the house films if you don't get if you don't get a chance to watch house four don't be concerned is this safe to say then this is four of four in terms of the house films like this is bottom of the list yes you? yeah okay yeah so, so in in terms of in terms of the list for me it goes house one mm-hmm. house three house two house four okay now that go. is the definitive, definitive guide list. to the house series. Yeah, seriously i said that as well yeah and, and the yeah. house series maybe is now over there's no House 5 or 6 or 7 There's no come. House 5 or 6. Um, but I have been watching the Phantasm films as well, so we're saving those up for, uh, for future podcasts, Pete. You'd be pleased to know. Okay. If, got if five you, of those to get through. If so. you guys were worried that you weren't going to get more sort of <laughs> obscure horror reviews in some sort of series that went on indefinitely, then no fear, there's more to come. Yes. Um, I'm going to take us away from the house and into... Um, this is, as I understand, maybe the directorial debut, feature debut, perhaps, of uh, Matt Ross. He's a guy known as an actor from Big Love, which is not a series I've followed, but um, I think he's done maybe one or two things before is this. Is Matt but, Ross in Silicon Valley? It, maybe. You, okay. your, your guess is as good as mine, man. But um, yeah, this Captain Fantastic is a film that was a, sort of buzzed about around um, Oscar season and awards season. Is this Viggo Mortensen? It is, yeah. yeah. It stars Viggo Mortensen as the figurehead of a young family um, with six children, ranging from very young to sort of teenage, adolescent age, who are being raised by their father in the woods. And they're being taught to hunt and to fish and to be at their physical peak and to read and to sort of self-educate and um, he it's kind of homeschooling but these students these kids are very autodidactic you know they're they're picking up great big um, tomes and just burning through them because they're disconnected from sort of modern technology and all the stuff that we take for granted and get caught up in these days Um, problems arise though when it sounds uh, like the idyllic Britain that Theresa May wants us to return to. <laughs> right, <laughs> living like feral children yeah. in, the, in the woods. Yeah, I mean, problems arise, though, for Vigo and his troop when they encounter, I guess, what we're supposed to know as the real world and the threat of the children being forced to go into state education and the influence of the family of his um, deceased wife, former wife. Um, the film is intellectually uh, challenging, 
the film is interested in the work of Noam Chomsky. Okay. The film is interested in um, dealing with the the conflict, I suppose, between trying to live in a pure way, like you get in something like Into the Wild, right? Yeah. Similar-ish territory, but a lot more interesting, in my opinion. Um, and then the necessity that we all have to connect to the grid, to information, to technology, and so on. And I think that it's, for me, it was an incredibly enjoyable watch. Um, the, the kids, ranging, like I say, from very young, sort of teenage, uh, all give really committed, really engaging performances, not really a dud note amongst them. Um, I think, if anything, slightly undercuts the power of this film. And it's, uh, to me, almost completely resounding success. It's the slight overuse of... Um, soundtrack that encroaches on okay. sort of pushing you to feel something and i was talking about this with someone and they were saying that actually you already start to have a feeling and then you're it's sort of forced upon you by the next time that they play cigaros in the background right and, and it's so kind it's of cliche kind overdone of in that music, sense yeah. but that's the only negative really that i put against something that that is dealing with a really interesting set of issues and dealing with it in an interesting way that treats the audience as if they're intelligent enough to keep up because that's what you need to do when you're around Vigo because he is, yeah, a very demanding yes. figurehead for both you and his brood of six children. <laughs> so, yeah, Captain Fantastic, I would recommend it yeah, quite strongly, good. actually. Good, More so than I recommend House 4. Uh, yeah, it sounds like with it. With a sense of certainty there. Uh, which brings me to my second popcorn film and it kind of saddens me a little bit just to kind of um, pigeonhole this into the popcorn movie section but I'm going to try anyway um, I rewatched Apocalypse Now because uh, my girlfriend hadn't seen it uh, and I haven't seen Apocalypse Now for years um, Pete I would assume you've seen Apocalypse Now years um, and years ago but yeah at university oh, it's sorry. pleasing to know uh, that the film has lost none of its power um, it's, it's so fantastically well shot um, and like the effort that's gone into to making this film I and mean, just just to set the scene if anyone if anyone out there listening hasn't seen it which i say is unlikely but not not beyond the realms of possibility uh martin sheen is recruited for a military operation to be sent into deep into well no across the vietnam border into cambodia to assassinate uh, marlon brando's uh, rogue colonel kurt character um and that's kind of kind of where we start it just it it's it does it utterly deserves its classic status still, and it's it's nice to it was nice to be reacquainted with it because it's been many many years since I've watched it. If you look at the effort that's gone into filming it, it's unbelievable. Like every you they sit there and the way the helicopters fly across the screen, and you're just like, okay, well, because of when it was made, there's no way this is this is no way this is effects. This well, is pretty well, the much done. Production so. was essentially a living nightmare, wasn't it? Yes. It was far over budget and which took a and lot here's, than it was here's an admission. To. Here's an admission of guilt. I actually have never seen Hearts of Darkness, and it is in no, the Blu-ray. It is in the Blu-ray box set that I've got with it. So I'm going to be maybe that should Hearts be a, of Darkness. That should be a mutual homework. Yeah, I think it, I think it should be because if and I think. Yeah, and I think probably when I first saw it, I don't think I was quite into films in the same way that I am now. So I, I think my appreciation of probably how difficult it would have been to shoot um, probably wasn't wasn't quite there. And you know, knowing there's reputation that Brando was difficult on set, and you know, and apparently there's a rumor I think that the, his scenes were shot in the dark because he was uncomfortable with his weight. And then there's the controversial scene, the live killing of a cow that obviously caused a lot of issues as well. Um, and that scene is probably still quite is still very uncomfortable to be honest. Um, However, the film is still fantastic. It's still such a powerful piece, and it does, I think, a very it's it's a fantastic portrayal of war, but it's also a very engaging story when Martin Sheen is trying to find and ultimately assassinate Kurt. So yeah, it's um absolutely great as you as one might expect. 
Um, yeah. Cool. Um, that brings me to my second choice for this week, which uh, I, had a, I saw a lot this week, like, I don't know, six or seven different things, and I've sort of whittled it down to two. So I'm going to go for quality over the other, the rest of the quantity that I saw, and some of that not, not so good. Um, this one is David McKen- McKenzie's film, Startup. David McKenzie, we spoke Ooh, about Startup is good, yeah. quite recently because he is the director of Hello High Water, which was so praised from sort of last, last year, right? Uh, the sort of neo-Western yeah. film. Um, Startup, though, is... Is a film that stars Jack O'Connell that you might know as Cookie out of Skins <laughs> or from things like um, Unbroken. Eden or... Lake is in as well. Oh yeah, of course he's yeah. in it. Eden Lake is a little tyke. Yeah. That's probably similar territory to this because this to me as well felt a bit like um, it could just be the continuation of his Skins character because in this thing uh, he is a delinquent young man. I think he's 19 years old. He's been... F- prematurely it seems transferred from a young offenders institute into a full um, adult prison and he is starred up meaning that he has a sort of asterisk by his name to say that he is at a higher risk than others of violent outbursts and sort of ultra violence you would see this early on from some very uh well-handled sort of kinetic scenes of the way that he will pretty much go at anybody if they look at him the wrong way, Mm. you know, bump his shoulder or or do anything to slightly upset the apple cart. Jack O'Connell, I should say, is an actor that I think has gone from strength to strength. And I would say, although 71 followed this and Unbroken followed this, from what I've seen, I think this is Jack O'Connell's best performance um, I think he's abs- this is absolutely um, imbued with the sort of intensity that he brings to other roles. And he manages to make this character, although constantly aggressive, constantly violent, still in, in, in enough of a sense sympathetic. And that's incredibly important to tell this in telling this story, right? Because if we have someone that we can just write off as a, a abhorrent shithead... Well, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's important and it's very difficult to do. And just, just to touch on that, if I may. Mm. Um, I watched Quadrophenia this week as well for the first time. Um, and I know obviously we're not supposed to be featuring it, but just a, a brief thought on Quadrophenia. I didn't get on with Quadrophenia. I, I respect it that it was a decent film. I could not bear Phil Daniels' main character. I thought mm. he was I just, I couldn't relate to him. I had no sympathy for him at all. I just thought he was an asshole and deserved everything coming to him. Yeah. So for me, I struggled. Yeah. And I think, and but I, I agree with you with Jack O'Connor's character in Starred Up. There's something about his performance that made you kind of pity those outbursts, really. Yeah. And I think it's so important to do that because not everyone can relate and, to and it. And there's terrific bits of really small acting as well. Like there's a sequence, his father, we should say, is in this, or I should say, is in the same wing of the prison so um, he's been transferred and suddenly the kingpin in his neck of the woods is his own biological father but they clearly don't have a good relationship this mm. is the guy played by Ben Mendelsohn yeah. right um, and there's a scene oh, Ben in... Mendelsohn's eight in it as well isn't he right and there's a scene in which uh, Jack O'Connell learns that his father may be in a homosexual relationship with another inmate and in response to this he says no words all of the acting is done with where he looks how he looks what he's doing with his face and what he's doing with his eyes and it's a wonderful little moment that's very easy to miss I think but I think it's just a great indication of the level that Jack O'Connell's working at so early into what I'm sure will be a very long career I mean he was in Money Monster which I thought was probably his weakest role so far it's a terrible terrible film <laughs> but um, yeah he really really good and you talked about relating to that central character going into this and those first scenes in the prison I've had an experience um, earlier in life when I was 22 when I went to visit a young offenders institute uh, young offenders unit I guess like a prison for young people uh, through the job that I was doing at the time and 
So I had that kind of flashback as you're going through the corridors of like how much of a sort of oppressive, unwelcoming, intimidating place it might be to be in a prison or a young offender's prison. And I think that the last thing I want to say about this is that David McKenzie captures that atmosphere fantastically well, mm. almost throughout the film, with little changes to shooting um, how you might see uh, a TV drama about a prison shot, for example. Yeah. Sometimes the camera is slightly um, at an angle. Sometimes the camera is slightly shaky. Uh, sometimes we're just looking round doors and kind of peeking into cells. There's so many little touches here that makes this, to me, an almost perfect depiction of the struggles of a young man in prison. And I shouldn't um, fail to mention, it's Rupert Friend, I think, in this, who yeah. plays a, a mentor to Jack O'Connell and other inmates who's trying to teach the prisoners to talk about their feelings and, and cope with their anger and manage their anger, really, and is so almost able to make a breakthrough that it makes the sort of denouement of this film all the more frustrating. In, yeah. You know, in combination with things we've seen recently, like I, Daniel Blake, or whatever, th those films that really just make you lament the state of affairs that exist in certain institutions at this point yes. in time. Yeah. So yeah, big recommendation from me. No, I would, I'd second that recommendation. If you haven't seen Startup, certainly seek it out. It's a, it's a great film, really, really. And 71 too. I mean, they were so close together yeah. and I caught up with them both late, but I think this is, for me, yeah. my, my favourite of those two films. No, I think I'd agree. Probably Startup just as just 71, but it's close. It's close. If you haven't seen 71, then share that out too. Well. Yeah. That's also very good, yes. Um, so that's it for popcorn movies, uh, which brings us to coming attractions. Yes, it now, does. Um, I apologies if I've talked about this trailer before. I won't have talked about this particular trailer before because it's only just come out. Um, but Blade Runner twenty forty nine uh, is edging ever closer. It's out in October. Um, it's directed by Denis Villeneuve, who I think is a man that is on blistering form at the moment with his recent output. Um, and I've definitely mentioned this on the podcast before. Sicario and Arrival were both magnificent films. I thought um, I really really enjoyed both, and I think he's he's absolutely nailed. Um, almost out Nolan to Nolan by making like a thinking man's blockbuster. Yeah. So am I right in thinking that you're still like me to catch up with uh, Incendie? Is that the name of the, the uh, his first feature? That is the name of one. I don't know whether it's his first feature. I have it on Blu-ray. It arrived not long ago actually in the post and much like all a lot of the Blu-rays have I haven't yet got around to yeah, watching. Yeah, we'll get round so, to that. Um so yeah, so this is the um the new trailer has I think just dropped or dropped yesterday this, this is going up on a Tuesday so dropped yesterday um, and I think this trailer makes the film look absolutely awesome uh, it's not difficult to make a film look awesome from a trailer but it looks like to me like all the right elements are in there kind of um, some surprises I didn't know Jared Leto was going to be in this um, looks like he might be on good form um, and Sean Penn's ex-missus what's her name Robin Wright. Robin Wright, yeah. Robin Wright. Uh, she's... I hate that terminology, <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. but I'll accept um, it. Yes, um, Robin Wright's in this now as well, along with um, Ryan Gosling taking the lead and Harrison Ford. Um, I know they've messed... I know, in my, certainly in my opinion, they seem to always mess up films when they do very belated sequels. Uh, I'm holding out a lot of hope that this will change that, mm. simply because of Denny Villeneuve's involvement. Well, and Ridley Scott's so, directly involved in it. Too, yeah, yeah, Ridley Scott's exec producing. Um, so it's got the, the seal of approval. It's not yeah. one of those things where they've sort of moved away from the original director. No, no, in a, in a no. So, um, yes, uh, colour me excited. <laughs> when that phrase comes out, I know that something exciting is <laughs> about to happen, or, or about to happen in a few months time yeah. in this case uh, my pick for a coming attraction is actually released a lot sooner I think uh, May 19th I want to say so just over a week from now although 
it almost certainly won't get a release here. Um, it, even more limited, I think, than something like Mindhorn. So you okay. might have to track it down online or you know uh, order the, the DVD or the Blu-ray or whatever. It's The Red Turtle. Um, this was one of the films nominated for Best Animation at the 2017 Academy Awards. Uh, okay. Uh, the brief uh, description is a man is shipwrecked on a desert island and encounters a red turtle which changes his life um, the animation style looks abs- Sound, it sounds uplifting yeah it looks uplifting <laughs> it looks from the trailer and from the art style very very pretty indeed um, and it's also it incorporated the involvement I think of six animators from Studio Ghibli in Japan so it comes highly um uh, with with credentials behind yeah. it, I would say. The high calibre of uh, animators working on it. Absolutely, yeah. The, a lot of buzz. The meta score at the moment is at 86%. Okay. So um, really looking forward to that because I'm a sucker for high quality animation. So yeah, coming up towards the end of this month, keep an eye out for it. You can probably find it online in not too long. Legally, of course. Yeah. Um, Paul, this brings us to... <laughs> Feature review. Features, big drama. Sorry, I'm going to try and say that with a bit more excitement because, um, to be honest, listeners, we're sorry that these are, these are the two feature reviews this week, but they are two new films that have come out. We, I said we were going to try and get to Minehorn. We haven't for whatever reason. Um, well, so, for, for the reason that, well, that it's not unless you yet. want to travel over an hour, we can't see yes. it. But it's coming, man. It's um, coming. It's coming. So instead of Minehorn and something else we bring you this week um a very exciting trip to the cinema or two trips to the cinema in this case um we're going to start pete with sleepless yeah uh-huh. do you want to set the scene on this one as you do so so well okay i will do my very best oh you've what's the tagline though pete the tagline's good Oh, uh, yeah. No, it's probably the best part of the film, to be fair. Uh, the tagline for this, don't judge a cop by his cover. Yes. Ooh, all that, double crossing. That's almost as good as House 2, the second story. <laughs> yes, I suppose. <laughs> Although that's as a subtitle, isn't it? Uh, yeah, this is directed by your boy Baron Bo Odar, um, who I didn't really know anything about. It turns out he's done a couple of things uh, before. Unter die Sonne or Unter der Sonne, I think, in, if I uh, g- gender that one correctly. Silence, not that one. And uh, <laughs> something called Who Am I? Well, you could, I could ask the same of you, Mr. <laughs> Bo Odar, because I had no idea going into this. It stars um, your boy, Jamie Foxx, with two X's, who plays a cop who he may or may not be corrupt or may or may not be double crossed or may or may not be about to double cross someone else who knows <laughs> we kept guessing sort of throughout this thing to a certain degree uh yeah he's working undercover or so he says um his name is vincent downs and yeah he's sort of in uh, what could be described loosely as a web of corruption in the Las Vegas region of Nevada in the United States. So we're in the territory of, of things like a casino um, and we're mostly in a casino. Um, opposite him, we've got Michelle Monaghan. We've got my boy and Paul's, I think, as well. Scoop McNary. Yeah, the big Scoop. Uh, big Scoop fans. <laughs> and uh, anyone I forgot, Dermot Mulroney's in this. Uh, Gabrielle Union. Um, and T.I., interestingly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, Paul, we've got that this is about espionage, it's about Vegas, it's about being in casinos and high stakes, but did it pay out for you? No. Right, um, and for why? To be honest, um, the, you're reminding me of the film um, that I'd almost forgotten. I'd almost forgotten the beginning by about an hour in. Mm. Um, I've seen all of this before and better in, in a number of films. Um, one should probably come to mind in a minute. 
say even something like even go back to that French connection that kind of thing when you've got your, your cop dramas and your hard-boiled cop dramas and that kind of stuff um, or even um, what am I thinking of Denzel Washington training day that kind of it's got that kind of grubby feel about it mm. um, and that, that all that cop stuff was was done better in that uh, it was done a lot better in other films and then it, it's a film for me that just didn't um, didn't have a clue really what it wanted to be and there were certain scenes where you're like is this trying to be John Wick now I don't I don't really understand. Yeah, it's, like... it's, it's one of those, Paul, isn't it? This film where you get sort of the third act and you can just feel the team behind it going, yeah, we've got to just bring this to an end. Yeah. So what we're doing is very cliche, but if we sort of tw- are twisty enough, then maybe we'll be forgiven. I mean, it's a pretty damning indictment, I think, of anything when... Uh, the credits roll to this film, so I'm not spoiling anything at the end. The credits roll to uh, <laughs> the, the, roll, yeah. the the uh, track "Run the Jewels" by the hip hop collective Run the Jewels, and to me, it genuinely was the most exciting part of the film. Like, it's got a great beat, it's got some great vocals, and suddenly you're away from the movie that's been sort of yeah, just driving itself directly into the ground, and you're into something a bit more energetic. I yeah, I, I just felt that it got. It was somewhat interesting, and then it just got very tired. It just got very tired and just just descended into absolute silliness. When you've got, it's supposed to be kind of one half this this kind of gritty cop thriller, and the other half like again like a gritty kind of a- action film. And then like some of the action scenes then when Scoop Manero is just running around with like a assault rifle, and you're like, what? How has this happened now? Why? There's no way they'd be getting away with this. Um, yeah, I mean, on the Scoop Manero point. I, I really like the guy you know we've talked about him a bunch all the way back to Monsters that he made with Whitney Abel his, his now wife this. well yeah that's it like when he first came on screen I thought oh they've given Scoot like a bad badass like yeah. role he's got tattoos all up his arms he looks mean he's like giving it to people straight yeah. he doesn't have to get violent because he's that powerful yeah. and then they overstretch him and they get him into situations where he's having to like fire automatic weapons and you just don't buy it at all I mean the guy is not scrawny but he's not the kind of guy that's going to be wielding an automatic no. weapon in a parking garage he just isn't that is not what he's for I mean Scoot McNary was fine in, in uh, triple nine uh, but again he can do what Scoot McNary does very very well that isn't being yeah the, the gun wielding sort no, of cocaine dealing bad um, boy like it just doesn't work at a certain point positives for me Michelle it's nice to see Michelle Monaghan doing something different than than I just I may be wrong in this, but I just get the impression the last probably five films that she's done, she's just been like a put-upon wife. Maybe yeah, it's just one or like, film. Or... or like nervously crying on the phone yeah. or so supporting her husband. It's nice know. to see her getting an opportunity to kick some ass in fairness. Um, yeah, that's cool. So I mean, give her credit where credit's due. And she was probably the best thing in it, I thought. I but... mean, yeah, I was going to say uh, on that point, Paul, that one of the uh, the people who was clearly having most fun in this film was the fight choreographer or the team thereof, who got incredibly carried away with every bit of hand-to-hand combat in this yeah. entire thing. At one point you have Michelle Monaghan uh, head-kicking Jamie Foxx <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a fight in like a plush hotel room and promptly getting sort of taken down to the ground because it's ridiculous. She's wearing like dress pants or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make any sense. They, they're doing like full-blown MMA fights when yeah. that, yeah. So it's what it is. I mean, it's sort of like a throw-around genre film for people who have maybe um, had a couple of drinks and, and want to watch something on a Friday night, Yeah, I guess, or, or right? if you're hungry 
hungover on a Saturday morning, you'd probably go, you'd probably bang on and go, yeah, that was all right. That was passably entertaining. But yeah, it's not a lot. It's not a lot to recommend. We, we can't leave this review, Paul, without mentioning that, sorry for this, but the performance of Jamie Foxx's son, the actor that plays Jamie Foxx's son, is one of the worst <laughs> child or adolescent performances I've seen in a, in a <laughs> cinema release in a long, long time. And it's, it's one of those things where his performance is that bad that I think it actually makes... Jamie Foxx's performance which is almost entirely nondescript and and so pared down that he's almost not there anymore it almost lets him off the hook because his son is dreadful so I don't know what's gone on there or whether there's some sort of nepotism that's got in that role but yeah really weird so all in all uh, Sleepless uh, not a great big recommendation from either of us I don't think no not not really there's not there's yeah it was meh yeah, I mean, yeah, I, like, I, I don't like using that expression, yeah. but it's probably entirely yes. suitable for this film. Um, which brings us, excitingly, to our next, again, excellent feature. <laughs> if we say although, excitingly, that makes yes. it exciting. Although yeah. I think I enjoyed this a lot more than you did, if uh, Letterbox is anything to go by. And this is Unlocked, uh, a thriller, a sort of CIA um, uh, Islamic terrorist thriller directed by Michael Apted, uh, starring Numi Rapace. Um, Pete. Again, set set the scene for us on this. Yeah, okay. So um, here, not completely out of Lisbeth Salander territory, we have the actress Numi Rapace, who of course played the girl with the dragon tattoo in the original films, not the the David Fincher remake. Um, She is... That thing that happens at like the beginning of so many um, films involving like FBI or CIA or whatever, where there's just one person and we've got to get that one person because they're such a specialist that they're the only one who's going to be any good in yeah. this, this particular specific situation. In this case, she's a CIA um, interrogator who is able to extract information, right? That's her deal. That's yeah. basically her deal. And they need particular information because there seems to be rumour of an airborne chemical attack that could take place and it's her job to be in a room with somebody um, and get out of them the contacts meet points they keep talking about meet points throughout this film of the deal that's going to go down to lead to this terrible attack that we want to avoid right that's pretty much where we are with this film Um, from there things get a little bit murkier when it seems as though the people who have employed uh, Numi Rapace's character may have had less virtuous intentions than it first seems. Yeah. Pretty much that. So we're in, we're kind of, we're in kind of bog standard um, terrorist thriller territory here. Um, Yes. Yeah. And you, you like this more than me. I mean, we should mention that the guy who's sort of um, on the shoulder of Numi Rapace is uh, played by Michael Douglas, who seems to be a confidant of hers. Although again, in a film like this could be. Or is he? Yeah. Who knows? Um, (laughs) We've also got uh, Tony Collette again taking a sort of boss woman serious role. I'm not sure it's what she's best suited to, but she's here. Um, we've got John Malkovich who's asleep throughout this entire film. And <laughs> I we've don't got... think John Malkovich has been awake in any recent films that he's done. No, he just he just shows up and says yeah. things very slowly. Yeah, like wow, the craft. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and we've got Orlando Bloom in one of the most bizarre bits of character uh, I, sort of detail yeah. that I think I've ever ever scene but before we get into all of that Paul you like this more than me what do you like about it why should people check it out I just thought I thought it was doing it wrong I'm not going to rush to rush out to buy it when it comes out and release I'm not in a hurry to watch it again but I've seen a lot worse films I thought it was an entertaining enough um, terrorist sort of CIA thriller I don't think it, I don't again it didn't break the mold for me Numi Rapace I think is is a is a great talent. I think she's always very, very watchable. Um, and I thought she was, she, 
she was probably the best thing in this. Um, I just, yeah, I like, I liked it. Like, and I came away going, yeah, you know, there's, there's worse things, worse ways I could have spent my time. Um, well, I will say on the subject of Orlando Bloom, um, mm. I think everyone's aware or should be aware that he's not a very good actor. He's better um, in other places, though. I would at least yeah, give him that. But his his character, I don't know why his character is in the film at all. I've no idea why he's there. It's very um, odd, you guys. Like maybe he just appears in a weird way, and then she trusts him, and then but should she trust him? And then his performance is dreadful. He's playing some kind of weird. He's like a special forces he's like hard a, man. Well, he's like a Cockney wide boy former military man or was he uh who then becomes an ally but or is, is he is sort of hyper violent <laughs> it's all over the place he's got like long hair but like it's sort of semi-long hair and a little ponytail yeah really odd and um, then he then his character kind of disappears almost as randomly as his characters appear yeah like, it's like they were missing something where, like, and they just the wanted end, to puff like, it up you're like oh he'll reappear at some point oh no he doesn't come back you're like what yeah, so yeah, that was that was a bizarre turn of events for me, and I, certainly not the film's strongest point. But you you didn't like. I get, it at well, all, I get you? I get what you're saying about yeah, it is a sort of workable espionage thriller. I mean, I would put it not in too different a category to Sleepless that we've just talked about, mm. in the sense that if you like this area, you know, if you like stuff about the CIA, I suppose, then you'll get some enjoyment out of it. I would imagine. My problems with it are, I think that. I never felt like I was watching the events unfold that related to the CIA. I felt like I was watching some actors portray some people who had been written on a page as members of the CIA, right? I never really bought into Tony Collette's character or John Malkovich's character because, yeah, like I say, his performance is very low voltage. Um, Numi Rapace is an actress that I want to like. I think, though, that I would say that I have the somewhat of the same feeling about her as I do as uh, Penelope Cruz. Okay. In the sense that when Penelope Cruz acts in Spanish, the um, emotional impact of her roles seems to me, as a non-Spanish speaker, uh, a lot more significant than when she's acting in English. Yeah. And I find that Numi Rapace, for example, in the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, when she's na- uh, acting in her native tongue, hits me uh, or resonates with me a lot more than she does when she's slightly mispronouncing words and slightly stumbling over some of the dialogue in in something like this um yeah it it just all felt like complete artifice i guess that's the reason why i never really went with it it just felt like we're just going through the motions of, of trying to entertain the audience for an hour and a half which is not a bad intention to have I just needed it to feel a bit more grounded in some kind of reality yeah. and some of the, the character arcs and pro- plot developments are so silly that I, I sort of gave up and checked out I think yeah. before the end but um, make up your own mind about Unlocked obviously as we always say um, yeah uh, not, not without its merit yeah, not without merit there's not much else to say on it to be, to be honest um, so that wraps up the feature reviews of this week and brings oh, us no, to... Oh, no, hold on. Can, oh, I, no. can I just mention, because I wanted yes, to shoot on this Pete. at some point. Um, this week, Paul said when he set it up that it was directed by Michael Apted. If you haven't checked it out before now, the thing that sticks out for me and stood out for me going into this and why I was like, oh, Michael Apted's doing a thing. I mean, he's like in his 70s now, right? Yeah. At minimum. Um, is the Seven Up series of documentaries which um, chart the lives of real people, something I'm quite into, uh, rather than fake CIA agents. Uh, every seven 
seven years as they develop from childhood to adolescence to adulthood to older age and it is an absolutely uh, monumental piece of work mm. that maybe has quite a lot in common with something like Boyhood you yeah. could say but stretched out obviously over seven years I think Linklater did say he'd watch Seven Up before he I, I would be astonished boyhood, if he hadn't yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I really highly recommend checking that out wherever you can find it ahead probably of, uh, of his latest offering yes. if I'm completely honest Fair enough. sorry Paul Kate, no, that's alright that's alright so that brings us to the end of the feature reviews uh, and to homework now Pete 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 now yes. just before I ask you if you've done your homework um if I remember rightly, when we talked about bringing back the homework section, I believe it was your idea to bring it back, and you thought, wouldn't it be great to set each other homework? Yeah. Now, obviously, last week you didn't do your homework, which was which was no, the week before last, I think now, which was Solaris. So, and I set you a punishment film of Rings with the intention that you're also going to watch Solaris. Yeah, I mean, um, it was last week. It was last week, technically, um, wasn't it? Which of these, if any, have you now watched? Uh, I've watched Rings. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm glad watched, you sat through that. So, so I was taught as a child that um, what you should do when you have like a load of tasks to do is do the one that you want to do least first and get it out of the way. In fact, the only career advice, this yeah. is a real thing, the only career advice I was ever given by the head of my sixth form, or assistant head of my sixth form when I was at school, was um, imagine your career is a plate of food. Yeah. Look at the food, find the item that you like least, and eat that first. Which to me didn't really help with me with my no. career too much. But that's all to say that I watched Rings with the intention of then going on to watch Solaris, which would be more enjoyable and more engaging. Are you and more important. trying to say, tell me you still haven't watched Solaris? I'm trying to tell you that the three hours of Solaris have not yet been watched by me. Uh, I have tried to get this into my schedule more than once. It just hasn't worked out. I'm deeply sorry to you and all listeners, and I will take my punishment like a man. Okay. What did you think of Rings? Oh man, it is incredible, dude. Like, I didn't expect anything and it blew me away. Rings, man. No. Um, (laughs) The Ring, or Ringu, as you may all be aware, was a 1998 Hideo Nakata film that picked up this side of the, the ocean. From Japan to here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's an ocean somewhere between here and Japan. Yeah, there is. Yeah, it picked up over here, not least because I think Tartan Video started putting out loads yeah. of like Asia Extreme stuff and that was all uh, caught up in that, in that yeah, uh, the flood. Yeah, the J-horror thing was massive. Wasn't yeah, it? and it sort of kicked off a whole period of J-horror that caught me up as a teenager in its, in its thrall. So I was quite a big fan of the original Ring. I was quite a big, reasonably big fan of the, the follow-up to the Ring that was the, the Japanese yeah. movie. Um, and then they were remade by Gore Verbinski. Yeah. I didn't think the remake was great. There, was, there was a sequel recently. to the remake, I think, as well. Sarah yeah. Michelle Gellar was involved yeah. at some point. And uh, Naomi Watts was in one of them, I think. Naomi Watts was in the first one, I think. Yeah, yeah uh, they were okay. Sarah Michelle Gellar was in The Grudge. Oh, the you're, you're right about that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah the, the first one was okay, but to me it seemed a bit pointless. If that was a bit pointless, this is completely <laughs> redundant. Dreadful, isn't it? Um, you've got, uh, what's he called? Leonard at the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Turns out he's a professor who is enchanted by vintage stuff, like a VHS player. But then in the VHS player, there's a tape, it says, watch me, he puts it in. Oh, it's the video from the ring. They recycle the setup essentially the setup to the original ring 20 years on yeah. um, and then we get into this kind of sub TV movie territory where you've got like a load of college kids who are all, all very watching pretty it. Yeah. like handing around the video clip in like mp4 format or on the VHS or whatever and um, then having seven days in which they're inevitably going to die and then you think Paul when I was watching this hold on a second 
Didn't the film It Follows come out like a year ago? Yeah. Blow everyone away with this idea of a sort of contagion that was passed on between young people yes. in a modern setting, which then required each person to hand that off to somebody else, which is exactly what's at work here. So not only is it pointless because it's 20 years after and has done nothing else to, to elaborate on the myth of, of the ring or the mythology of the ring, but also it's made to look even worse by the existence of films that have been released in just the last couple of years. I mean, it rips off also Don't Breathe. It rips yeah. off, you know, a load of things that come out recently and done things much, much better. So there's a bit where it rains upwards. That shot was quite cool. Yeah. Uh, the setup in the initial few minutes is all right, but it just goes steadily downhill. Well, do you know what? I'm glad you didn't enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I didn't deserve any pleasure from my homework, to be fair, and I, I didn't really get any so uh yeah so rings. ask me if i've done my homework you done your homework there paul i set you a lovely little romantic comedy you known did, uh, yes. as henry portrait of a serial i piece. have done my homework pete so uh i'm cool, cool. three for three or four for four or anyway 100 well, look at you so you get far, one so. gold yeah, star on your you. report card um yeah henry portrait of a serial killer um as you know you know i'd like my horror films and my gory exploitation stuff um, it's Michael Rooker, right? This, yes, this thing, Michael yeah. Rooker, uh, a very young and very disturbing Michael Rooker performance, which I think is a great performance. I thought the film was very good, um, but Christ, is it a hard watch? Mm. Um, I think you like. I think you coined it. Like, you, did you think you'd need a shower afterwards? Um, oh, yeah. Yes, I did. I felt like I needed a wash. It's one of those films where the violence is is there. It's not massively explicit in terms of sort of gore in comparatively to other sort of gory films, but just the way the film is just grubby and feels like it almost feels like it could be a documentary when you just sort of mm. in Michael Rooker's like life and just how weird he is and how weird his relationship with people. And then you realize he obviously he's based on a real person. And you're like, yeah, it's a, it's an effective film, but it's a nasty piece of work. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I think I did the review, uh, mini review of 31, like last week, the, the Rob zombie movie and mm. said that's that sort of hateful and nihilistic. And this film in my memory is pretty nihilistic, yes. but there's a lot more, to be interested in, yeah. in my opinion, than something like a, a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. But yeah, that doesn't mean to say that it's an enjoyable sort of a couple of hours of your life. I no, suppose. but it is. It's a good film. But yeah, it's not. It's certainly not not an easy watch uh, by any stretch. Right, and to see Michael Rooker now bounding around in the, yeah. the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> yeah. Universe, I mean, it's a long yes. ways away. Tending to be Mary Poppins. I mean, of course, amusing. we also saw him in Belco Experiment, uh, yeah. which we reviewed a couple of episodes back, in which he was a bit more of a yeah. you know Michael Rooker standard that you come yeah. to know and love from all his character actors performances but yeah so would you recommend this to another like the like rings would you pass this vhs videotape onto another one of your mates i would to someone who's interested in films and hasn't seen it uh, i wouldn't pass it to everyone because it is uh, yeah it's it's grim yeah it's not going to be one where you, you like say to your mum oh yeah we reviewed something on the show yeah. and you should definitely catch up with this it's like i was talking to to my mum as it goes today and i said um yeah, I'm going to tell you about a film now. Don't watch it. Yeah. It was uh, Starred Up. Oh, fair <laughs> it's enough, very yeah. sweary, yeah. very violent. Don't yeah. watch it, because she told me that she enjoyed uh, I, Daniel Blake. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyhow, that brings us to this week's homework. What are we going to do? What are you going to set? Well, I was considering punishing you, um, but I think that would just probably delay you watching Solaris even further. Um, so what I'm going to do is, because we're doing an Alien special next week, and you've not seen Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, is that correct? That is accurate. Okay, uh, well, in which case then you can have two extra films on top of that, which certainly will Boom. possibly delay Solaris even further, but we'll see where it goes. 
Um, so yeah, you can have Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. Um, one, I think, is misjudged and a lot better than its reputation deserves. Um, the other is not misjudged and deserves its reputation, but I'll okay. let, you, uh, let you make that decision. Now, Paul, help me out. I've told you earlier today what I was going to set you for homework. Can you remember what it was? No. Oh, God. I was hoping that you would uh, hoping that you would remember what you've sent me for homework, Pete. Oh, it's not as if I have to come up with it in the next couple of seconds, so no. that's cool. Is there any... Do, because I've been so terrible at homework, is there anything that you voluntarily want to take on as your homework? Um, that seems... Do you know what? I will... Let's have a look at... Let's have a look at the Blu-ray shelf, and I will say... I will pick one of these at random that I have not seen... And that will be my homework, Pete. How okay. does that sound that to you? Sounds does that sounds reasonable. Work? Yeah, absolutely reasonable. Um, I will go with David Cronenberg's Shivers, please, Pete, if I may. Okay, you've never seen it? No. Oh, this is the kind of thing I could have set you. Yeah, okay. I've seen yeah. I've seen this, and I like it quite a bit, and I think it will be an interesting discussion. Um, and David Cronenberg's a film director that we're interested in, so that's yes. perfect. You've done my job for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> you can you do my homework for me yeah. as well? <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, and that's it guys for this week so um, once again thank you for listening um, you can find us on the usual social media outlets uh, I promise to not rant at Cineworld too much this week and apologies for uh, get using my wrong account again rather than my personal account so that's my bad uh, it's all good um, get, get behind the cause Mindhorn opens in our town this Friday yes. we're delighted about that and we're going to have a review for you guys yes. next um, week on along the show. with a lot of alien a lot of alien goodness where we talk about this series and Covenant yeah, um, bump, bumper sort of alien focus next week. So look forward to that. That yeah. should be really good fun for us to do. And I'll have caught up with the other two films in that series yeah. as well by then. So that's going to help uh, no end. And yeah, um, looking forward to it. Yeah, and that's it. We're out. Yeah, see you next time. <laughs>